To be a gay activist before Stonewall took balls. And during Mardi Gras in New Orleans, those balls were pretty fancy. My name is Tim Wolf, and I'm director of the Sons of Tennessee Williams. My name is Albert Carey, and I'm one of the subjects in the Sons of Tennessee Williams. What's the film about? I like to say that the film is about the first public gay culture in the U.S., because that's almost one of the most groundbreaking aspects to the story. People lived in seclusion. The Mattachine Society was operating under drawn shades and fear of being identified. And this movie's about gay Mardi Gras 50 years ago, beginning in New Orleans, and all of the different civil rights that uh, it brought to gay Americans first in New Orleans. And these civil rights pioneers, as I consider them to be, they were party throwers, but they were civil rights pioneers. I started in 1970 is when my first year in the club. After a disastrous love affair, I needed new friends, and I was told to come to this party, and I met members of the crew of Armenius, and they invited me to join, and I did. I'm an architect, and the guy who was putting on the ball at the time said, oh, good, you're an architect. You can do the sets for the ball. What was it like to be a gay man back then? I had been out a few years earlier than that. I'm from actually come of age of the 60s. And the bars were always in danger of being raided, always. And police would send cute undercover cops into the bars in the hopes of entrapping young men to take them home. And once you did, I mean, if you ever invited them home, his partner was waiting for you outside, and they'd both beat you up and then drag you off to jail. And then worst of all, the next day, your name would be in the paper in a column that the Times-Picayune published every day called Attempted Crimes Against Nature. So that was very scary because that would mean you would lose everything. If your name was in that column, you could kiss your job and your family goodbye. And, I mean, everybody in New Orleans read that column. So it was very scary. I was lucky enough never to be entrapped like that. I came close at times. It was just a scary time for us. I was in raids, but somehow I never got dragged off to jail as so many other people were. The film mentions that in those days, it was important for a bar to have a mixture of gay men and lesbians. That's really how we broke down the dancing barriers. The lesbians and the gay men would all go out on the floor and dance together, and they really couldn't tell who was dancing with whom. That was the days when, you know, the things like the frug and all became popular, where you didn't dance with partners, you just stood there and started and jumped around, so... As long as there were girls on the dance floor, the police couldn't arrest you. One of the great things about the balls was if you weren't in it, you were in a tuxedo and you had a date. And after the ball, you could dance with your date. You could dance to Johnny Mathis singing Chances Are or something very romantic. So people stayed after the ball just really to dance because we had no other outlet for dancing in the city of New Orleans without going to jail. Did the police ever raid the balls? The very first one that went public was raided, and everybody was hauled off to jail. And um, one of the owners of one of the gay bars, Miss Dixie, got everybody out of jail. She took all her money out of her safe and got people out of jail. But 96 people were arrested in that raid, and their names were all in the paper. So that's when gay people had to decide, how do you keep from being raided? The answer was, you do what straight Mardi Gras clubs do. You get a charter from the state of Louisiana as a bona fide Mardi Gras organization. And then, with the charters, we were free of police harassment because now we were a legal organization that could not be raided. 
Unless, of course, you broke some law, like some sort of sexual thing going, which none of the balls ever had anything like that. It was strictly costuming and fun. But that's how we got around all of that. And eventually, we went from having halls that held 300 people that were frankly owned by African-American labor unions. They were the only ones who would rent to us. And then as it became more popular, we expanded. And eventually, like Tim says, we had several thousand people attending these things, which means there were a lot of straight people coming to the balls. So that's what broke the barriers, having huge numbers of people coming to see the balls. The first crew was called the Crew of Yuga. It was founded in 1959. They called it the Crew of Yuga so that the initials would be KY. This was just a group of uptown gentlemen that decided to copy the format and traditions of a carnival ball, the idea of electing a queen. And they existed pretty much in in private homes until the 1962 ball, where they had the nerve to go out and and rent basically a daycare center at night to put on their drag ball, and that was the one that was raided. But they didn't have a charter or anything. It's just a group of people who went out and rented a hall. Albert, what do you think of today's gay community? They don't understand what we went through, but they benefit from it. And I'm glad to see that. I'm glad to see the young people of today living a free life, children coming out earlier and recognizing that they have things to offer and not be afraid all the time, not have people bash them just because they're gay. They stand up more, I think. I think they're brave, the young people today. But I think they got that way because of other people who went before them. But I never thought we would see adoption and marriage. I never thought we'd see marriage, and that's really thrilling. This has been a conversation with documentarian Tim Wolfe and from the crew of Arminius, Albert Carey. The Sons of Tennessee Williams is a first-run features release. I'm Steve Pride. Thanks for listening.